Hello and welcome. I am Haini. I'm Alexander. I'm Simon. We are knee-deep in tech, covering the latest from the IT industry, with a specific focus on Microsoft and how to get actual value from technology. This is episode 232, recorded on August 15th, 2023. You will be able to find this and our previous episodes on kneedeepintech.com, iTunes, Spotify, and on most podcasting platforms. I'm just amazed you re- you remember how to do that. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I Read was a little like, wait, what, <laughs> next line? What is that? Yeah, no, so I'm... I am going to get so much comments on this, but I'll, I'll say it anyways. <laughs> Isn't it weird how it, it's becoming harder and harder to get back into the groove after vacation? Cue Simon. <laughs> I, my problem isn't getting back. My problem is going on vacation. Like I, I mentally, I've been, I haven't had vacation, but I've been off work for six weeks and I haven't worked because I currently need six weeks just to ramp down and then i'm back again so i i don't under not at all understand your problem because it's like i've just been away for six weeks i don't know what i've done i think the cue for you simon was to say i don't know what you're talking about old man yeah i know but uh i'm like i'm now let's see if this works out i'm now as old as Alexander were when I met him the first time, I think. Sort oh. <laughs> really? I think it actually can be true. Interesting. We'll, we'll need to do some math. Yeah, we'll, we'll do some maths, <laughs> but I, I think that's actually the case, that I've just dinged Alexander's age when I first met him. And how does that hmm? make you feel? I wish I felt younger. <laughs> And there we go, setting the tone for this week's episode. But as as Haney said, we are back. And it's, it's, you know what I usually say, don't go on vacation because Microsoft's going to change things. Yeah. And boy, did they ever. Um, but that's yeah. also the, the, the name of the game. That, that's the way things work. Um, and I'm going to go straight for the news because otherwise we're never going to get out of here. And one interesting thing is we used to have the monthly Power BI update blog. It is fantastic. Yeah, no, it's gone because it's now called the Fabric blog. And they came out with the August update in July, which is kind of interesting, (laughs) but let's not split hairs. Uh, And holy cow, it is just, enormous like you could print it out bind it and you have a novel a decent sized novel it's enormous and there's so many things that's changed and and let's just take a small step back i said at the beginning that i thought the fabric was one of the most complete um, previews that i've ever seen and well sure that's true i've i've had more time now to play with fabric and yeah, um, I'm going to take a step back. There are so many things with Fabric that simply do not work and so much functionality that simply is not there. It's going to get there. Don't worry about it. And the stuff that is in there is phenomenal. 
but be very, very careful with um, looking at Fabric for, for uh, production workloads. There, I said it. Anyways, there have been a ton of stuff that has been changed. I'm going to just go through uh, a few quick items. One of them is artifact parameterization support. So the the hallmark of a or hormone, um, the cornerstone, I should say, of a flexible Synapse pipeline or Azure Data Factory pipeline, or in this case, Fabric pipeline, should be that it is parameterized. You use parameters to drive activities inside it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're going to end up with about a bazillion different activities since you need to statically hard code everything. Yep, that was your life in Fabric because when Fabric came out, there was no uh, parameters in, in any artifacts. And I just went, this is not possible. How can you even... <laughs> but they did. Now they've taken the first step into sorting that. And again, it will be fantastic because the base plate is just fantastic. But there are some ways to go. But now we have uh, uh, artifact parameterization support. One really cool thing that was added also to the data engineering persona was the Teams activity. It's, it's kind of one of the things that I didn't know I needed, but it's really useful to have an activity in, in, in the pipeline that in, instead of, for instance, writing a file somewhere or, or something similar, I now can put information in the Teams channel just as an activity. That is really, really cool. And add uh, parameters to that, and yep, you get a much faster interaction. And what I'm looking forward to is the possibility, and this is me guessing, the possibility to interact with a pipeline through Teams or interact with something inside of a fabric through Teams, like uh, slash control, whatever. It's Again, it's just me guessing, but it would be an interesting use case, I think. We have the data activator that is coming online. I think for the most part, it's still in the private preview. I know that some people have had data activator light up for them. So it's a, maybe a public-ish preview. I think that data activator is one of the most interesting things to come out of uh, Microsoft's data uh, stuff in, in years. Fabric is epic and data activator is just beyond epic it's kind of like the original ipad it was sleek it was sexy and nobody had a clue what to do with it but that's going to crystallize as soon as you start working with it because it is designed to find and help you exploit patterns in data that is at best difficult to do with the tooling you have at worst impossible to do with the tooling at hand so this is just the first version of, of this tool. But yeah, I think this is going to be really, really interesting. And there is actually a, um, a data simulator. So you can create and, and simulate data, uh, data streams going into the data activator for you to play with, to figure out what kind of, uh, of, uh, of um, patterns can I find, what kind of responses to the pattern can I get, and so on and so forth. So really, really cool. The... Power BI product is still very much alive and kicking. I mean, it's a part of Fabric these days. So there is a small section inside the Fabric blog that is called Power BI. 
And the irony is that this is the entire Power BI blog that we used to have. So that's why the Fabric blog is about the size of a small building. One of the most anticipated things is smoothed uh, lines. In a line chart, previously you just had like complete uh, straight lines. And this, this sounds weird. Like who cares about smooth lines? Everybody does because it becomes so much cleaner and so much nicer to read a line chart where the lines are smooth. Uh, check it out. You're going to go, huh, that, that's pretty neat. And it's one of these things that sounds dead easy to implement, but it was just too far down the, the um, priority list for, for other things. So this is a, a clearly a shot across the bow for, for Tableau because Tableau has had this for, for years and years. But it's a really nice addition and, and you can really kick your um, visual game up with this um, tool. And the last item before I, I hand the, the baton for, for um, Simon, <laughs> that you do know what a baton is, Simon. I'm not certain. If I say a relay race, do you know what that is? Ah, yeah, of course. Yeah, what the, the thing that they try to pass between the yeah. runners, that's a baton. Yeah, uh, that, yeah. since it translates directly to another word in Swedish, <laughs> which translates... is the Swedish word, yes. Yeah, yeah, but batong. Yes, trenchion. Yeah. Which is something it's... that you use to beat people on the head with. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was like, what happened there? I, I won't beat you over the head. So one of the best memes I've ever seen is a picture of a guy with his hand together, like he's praying, sitting on the bed and saying, please, God, give me the ability to punch someone over TCP IP. <laughs> that would be a useful feature of, of Azure, I think. I, I would be mm -hmm. spending way more time in hospitals if that feature were implemented. True that, then I would probably have a huge Azure bill because I'd use that feature over and over and over again. <laughs> but I digress. Um, Auto-scaling. Oh, God, this tool can do so much. Chaos Studio just became useful. Anyways, again, we digress. Yeah, sorry. So uh, one of the coolest things to come out of Fabric is the direct lake datasets. So instead of having to pull data into Power BI and cache it, that's the one way of doing it, or leaving data in situ and running SQL queries for everything or some kind of query for everything you do, there's now the, the third option where you store stuff on disk essentially in the uh, Verdi Parquet format, which is the same format as, as Power BI is using internally. It is blazing fast. I mean, I've, I've, I've done some playing with it and it's just, you, you start to wonder where is the camera because clearly someone is pulling my leg, but nope, it's that fast. And one of the, the things that we could not do when Fabric came out was to write these direct lake datasets through the XMLA endpoint. And just a quick recap, the XML endpoint is a way to programmatically control just about any aspect of the Power BI data model, meaning that with XML endpoint write capability to Direct Lake, you can now automate 
everything, including CI, CD, the whole nine yards. Um, just be aware that this is in, in, in um, preview and you can break things hilariously easy with the XML endpoint. Oh, then again, that's, that's XML endpoint for you. It's, um, it's a pretty powerful thing, but really, really exciting to see where we go with this. Question, and I might have asked or yeah, asked this before. When you get something, in this case, speed, what do you lose? Cost? Something else? Like what's the downside of using this new thing? Or should everyone use it? That that's a really, really, really good question. And the short answer is yes, everybody should use it. But there there are some caveats. In this case, they essentially figured out that why are we doing work that we don't have to? Because you have mm-hmm. data stored in some data format. In order to get to it, you either query the data engine that it is stored in, say SQL Server, and ask SQL Server kindly, could you hand over the data? That data gets transferred over the wire, and either you cache it in the VertiPack format inside of Power BI, or you present it straight to the user. The mm-hmm. latter sounds faster, but it is very, very slow compared to caching. Mm-hmm. What they figured out was instead of doing either of those, you can just store the data in the VertiPack format in the first place. So you're essentially mm-hmm. bringing in, in the first step in your, your ETL process is the word I'm trying to find. You take data from sources and you dump it in the direct lake format, essentially taking out the need mm-hmm. for um, and any reading of, of data and, and then transforming it to another format. So mm-hmm. the, the, the issues right now, because this is completely new, are limitations of the direct lake formats. Um, most of these, I think, are going to go away. And to be honest, I, I find it unlikely over time that there will be different options. For smaller workloads, you might very well find better performance uh, and some, some pros with the, the caching version. But it, as always, it, it depends. But for, to answer your question, for this case, for the most part, they did not lose anything. It was only the addition of control mm. of all of the layers, both storage and compute, that enabled them to do this. Hmm. Thank you. Other things they obviously been able but shouldn't have done, in my opinion, and this is something <coughs> that have broken what was called Twitter. We'll get back to that in a coming episode. Someone decided to rename Azure AD. I was just waiting for you to go ranting on this. I remember when we we have an episode where I've ranted over Entra. Because Entra, (gasps) Entra, Priva, all of these other names, I just can't stand them. I still think they missed a beautiful opportunity. So what is AD? Azure AD. It's it's the it's the core. It's the internals of of everything mm-hmm. that we do in Azure, right? Yeah. Hence, it should have been called Azure Entrails. <laughs> and yeah, and Entra is probably short for that. And it's the one of your very few completely stupidest ideas ever. So thank Mine? you for that. Yes. Okay. Entrails. Now, so Azure AD. Is no more. It will be phased out over time and replaced by Entra. 
I've seen so many discussions around this, and like one of the most common arguments for why this is a good thing is that obviously, or yeah, obviously people have had a hard time understanding what Azure AD is. And I, I simply can't understand that reasoning. Because I haven't met a single person that have had an issue understanding what Azure AD is. If I can just add a few things. I think you're, yeah. you're in this specific case, um, seeing bias. Yes. Because the people you talk to generally mm -hmm. do not have an issue with this. I've, mm -hmm. being me, I was never very good with AD. I can see their reasoning. I do not share that reasoning, but no. I can see the reasoning and I still think it's a horrible idea. Yeah. But over time, I, th I think that I've gotten a little softer on this name change because what they wanted to achieve as well were that they now have changed everything into ID. So instead of having Active Directory and all of these other things that in practice have been accounts or identities, it's now everything ID. And I think that is a fantastic change because it makes so much more sense when it comes to security with all of the other things. They could have left Azure AD, in my opinion, but that they changed to ID is a good thing. Um, the other thing they've done is that Entra now consists of more things. So we have the the old IDs, so the old Azure AD accounts. We have the verified IDs. We have the permission management. We, we have managed identities, all of that. But they've also added Microsoft Entra Internet Access and Microsoft Entra Private Access, which are secure service edge solutions, which I will talk a little bit more about today, but I already have customers asking for this, so we'll get back to it at a later stage. Uh, so it's now a bigger, it's, it's a little bit like our favorite intelligent data platform, which I think is non-existent anymore. <laughs> but they've just added a lot of things into Entra. So it's now a product family as such, and it will be, it's a name change. So nothing will change in terms of code or whatever it's it's just the name for now so horrible parts some reasonably good things and then two new features where i struggle to understand again the reasoning because both of these two solutions the entra internet access and entra private access have for years been things that microsoft had said you shouldn't use these you don't need them and of course, the world have changed, but I'm not really certain if I like either of these products. The, what they do, where internet access is a proxy, web proxy, so all your traffic is laundered and controlled and whatever in, in Azure, uh, in going out, going... Cscaler does this, a lot of other things. Blue Coat for the ones that use that back in the days. Uh, there are tons of various things that do this. Yeah, that, that's what Internet Access is for now. I will dive deeper into it at a later stage. And Private Access is basically the same thing, but to your own location. So basically a VPN, but 
on in a slightly different, more modern way. And Microsoft has tried to get rid of these kinds of solutions, and now they've introduced it. And I'm still trying to understand what have driven this. Uh, and yet again, Microsoft is, of course, rumbling into products and partners, competitors that have done this for years that probably do it better still uh, because Microsoft is very early days. And I'm not convinced that that is the way they should go forward. But once I've tried it, implemented it at a few customers and so on, I will get back to it and we can talk about what they actually protect against because that is the first question I always ask people that have Cscaler or whatever. Uh, and so far I haven't really seen anyone <laughs> that gets the protection they pay for. <laughs> Uh, sorry, Cscaler, I have friends there. Um, private access, hey, we have other things, and, and should that really be the way forward? Um, I will just mention that that has been a ton of new things in Intune, but in the interest of time, I won't dive too deep into that. Um, <laughs> often, or every single time, especially Alexander, announces things that in Fabric or Power BI has been introduced, like smooth lines. And <laughs> I understand that it is a huge thing. I was just, why haven't this been there before? Even I can understand that that is something that I would like to see. Uh, and I'm a person that loves straight lines. <laughs> but in, in line charts, go ahead. One thing that's been huge that just been released in Intune <laughs> is the ability Hold your horses to uninstall apps. What? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh. So what hasn't been available in Intune is that say that you want to have your own sort of app store within your company portal, uh, which means that your users should be able to go in there and install whichever applications they want. Up until now, if a user installed an app, they weren't able to uninstall the app. Very convenient. But yeah. you could you could still uninstall it through the the, the control panel. The, yeah, but the thinking is that you aren't local admin and therefore you can't uninstall it. Oh wow. Catch twenty two. So exactly. <laughs> so you could install an app and then never get rid of it. That's now been introduced. So you can now uninstall available apps in a user context. You know what I'm just waiting Ooh. for? The other shoe to drop? But it's going to cost you extra. <laughs> oh. oh! Hopefully not. Uh, that, that is dangerous territory currently with Intune and Intune Suite and all of that. And we have talked about that I don't know how many times before. I am a person who think it's fully reasonable that Microsoft charges for things that are added to products if it's a new feature or whatever persons that still claim that we have always paid $20 for business premium and now you're adding something else and I need to pay $2 more. Yeah, you have always paid $20 for a loaf of bread, a can of jam and a can of peanut butter. And now you want to add pickles to that for free? Come on. <laughs> and with that peanut butter jelly pickle sandwich, let's move over to Haney. <laughs> That was maybe the most awkward handover ever. <laughs> That's the only purpose I have in this podcast. 
Awkward Thank hangover. you, Simon. Yes. That would be an interesting name for, for a, a podcast, uh, an interview <laughs> series, Awkward Handover. <laughs> that could work. But to get up to speed again, we're going to talk about the preview <laughs> of Azure Boost here. Woo! So. Best name ever. I know. It sounds really interesting, and it was really... Say that of, it is, please. Yes. So it's a really interesting new... <laughs> new-ish capability coming into Azure. It's not completely new because it has been in certain SKUs for virtual machines giving boosted performance due to the name. But if I'm reading this announcement correctly, it is more like an infrastructure innovation within Azure where I don't know how wide the impact will be in long term, but it floats the virtualization processes so that they are not on the hypervisor and the host OS, but instead it is moved to like purpose-built hardware and software. And Azure has like specific hardware that they have developed for this to do this job. And this is preview. Uh, there is actually in the show notes, uh, there is a request link there that you can go into and look into it if you like. But there is the preview already ongoing and kind of the improvements in performance look kind of mind-boggling. Uh, for example, mm -hmm. what they at least state <laughs> is that to get a 200 gigabytes per second network throughput and then have remote storage where you can have up to 10 gigabytes per second and 400,000 IOPS uh, for your remote storage, which is quite a huge leap from uh, what we've had. So it kind of how the announcement reads, it sounds like maybe this will be something that will be powering uh, better performance for different kinds of Azure services in the future. Um, right now already uh, what it's actually being a part of already is the EBS version 5 VM series. That's where this is used. And um, I'm, I'm not sure, like, I'm a little like, hmm, what are the implications of this? I, I am not quite sure quite yet. And it's really interesting to see where will this actually be? You know, what's the impact? I don't know entirely. And thought. Wow. It, it just became so much more difficult to ridicule this. Yeah, yeah. I know. The uh, I, I guess it's not the worst of the names out there. The the idea of moving this very specific workload to what sounds to me purpose-built ASICs, yes. purpose-built chips. Mm. Wow. Someone had a brainwave. But at the same time, this sounds more li like you said. It's part of the foundation. No one will buy Azure Boost. It's more that... That's what it sounds this like. This VM is Azure Boosted. Mm -hmm. It does sound like currently is it is mm -hmm. kind of that way that you have a specific mm -hmm. SKU VM that you can buy and that is boosted, mm -hmm. as you said. Mm -hmm. But it does sound in a way that maybe this mm -hmm. will change things in the future in a much broader scale. Mm. Very, very interesting. So I, I would recommend to keep an eye out 
or what's happening on this front. Uh, also kind of related to networking, there is a new tier for Azure Load Balancer, which is the global, global tier. So there is now a version of Azure Load Balancer uh, that you can deploy globally. So Azure Load Balancer has been traditionally something that you deploy in a specific region. And then if you'd have like a multi-region uh, application, for example, you'd have to set up something like Traffic Manager in front of those load balancers. But now with the Load Balancer Global tier, you could have this one globally deployed load balancer and the different regional kind of application endpoints configured as backends for that one load balancer. And then you could still say you need to do some maintenance in one region. You could take that down for some time and do that and bring it back up and so forth. So uh, it brings a lot of, like, also the whole setup is much simpler than it used to be with the previous setup capabilities we had. Uh, and also you have that ability to, like, scale up and down behind one of these global endpoints that you have in place. So very interesting uh, developments there as well. Then as the last thing, it's a more data specific thing. I guess I don't talk about data stuff so often here, but I've been in Databricks lately. So I came across this new capability within Databricks as well. They have something called Enhanced Security and Compliance Add-on for Azure Databricks, which is now GA. And it's just like a kind of a weird kind of additional service that you can have for your Azure Databricks workspace. And it is kind of a set of capabilities that brings additional monitoring your, to your workspace, as well as you have specific hardened compute images that are then used for your compute clusters that you run your notebooks on and so forth. And for example, you're not allowed to start serverless SQL warehouses because those run on multi-tenant infrastructure. So it's just kind of brings you um, almost like policies in place that prevent you from doing certain things or enforce a hardened image, for example. And this, for example, can help you reach the requirements for PCI, so payment card uh, things and stuff like that. So it is for specific scenarios where you have very tight compliance uh, requirements in place. The one interesting note here is that it says to enable the feature, uh, you have to contact your Azure Databricks representative and request to enable yeah. this <laughs> profile. Who is that? So, <laughs> I have no idea who that would be even. But yes, if you do try to enable us, yes, <laughs> let us know. How do you figure out who is your Azure Databricks contact person? He's yes. probably going to be Simon Whiteley. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He just got a promotion. He just doesn't know it. <laughs> yeah. Or he does. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's it from my side. <laughs> Off the fence. I, I think this is something I really would like to... Um, we have some upcoming engagements where we might have discussions around this, but I do think that this way of, like, again, you're getting more security and compliance features. How much will you pay for that? 
why isn't this the standard way of doing it? Because most of the things that I can see here in terms of features and technical controls, it has like it's not specific to PCI. No. We of course reboot the darn machine at least once per month. Upgrade mm-hmm. it to a new image. I thought that was already part of the POS or SOS service agreement. <laughs> like, what am I getting elsewhere? Let's so, not go there. <laughs> when it comes to specifically Databricks, the, the line between POS and SOS is very muddled. Yes. Uh, but that's a discussion for another week. Yeah. Yes. Yep. We managed to record one episode without any real... Uh, mishaps which is fantastic in, in general and it's absolutely phenomenal coming back from vacation so mm-hmm. should we just yeah, call it quits and before anything happens to this episode and then just be happy with it sounds good yeah. and i think we're almost on time almost yeah. indeed yeah so on Perfect. that almost bombshell it's almost time to end or it is actually time to end thank you so much for listening we'll be back next week with a bit of a hot potato Mm-hmm. Um, signed Simon Binder. Um, really you. looking forward to that conversation because that, that's that's going to be something else. Mm-hmm. And we'll see you in a week. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Need Even Tech. Need Even Tech is a bi-weekly technology podcast hosted by Alexander Arvidsson, Simon Binder, and Haini Hilmaninen. If you have any feedback, questions, or would like to be part of an episode, please reach out to us on social media or via email at podcast at